listeners, and welcome to the NK News podcast, recorded here in Seoul on Monday, March 11, 2019. Today, I'm joined by Ms. Holly Kang, or Kang Hae-won, to talk about the Uni Korea Foundation, which funds unification-focused projects. But before that, an announcement. Once again, NK News is proudly offering a free year's subscription to NK News to one reviewer who reviews our podcast, not only at iTunes, but also at other platforms. And you can save $50 off your NK News subscription by using the code PODCAST at the checkout. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. All right, so my guest today, Holly Gung, has studied international relations as an undergraduate at Kyunghee University, followed by a master's in international security and foreign policy slash international cooperation at Yonsei GSIS. That is the Graduate School of International Studies. Is that correct? Yes. And she is now the international programs manager at UniKorea, which she joined in December 2016, over two years ago already. So thank you very much for joining me today, Holly. Thank you for having me. Okay, so what actually is the UniKorea Foundation? I confess that I'd never heard about it before I start, before I <laughs> met you and started doing the podcast. So uh-huh. what's it all about? Well, in short, the UniKorea Foundation is a nonprofit, non-governmental, private organization whose main objective is to prepare for the unification of the Korean Peninsula, primarily by funding projects that can contribute to these cause. Okay, so when was UniKorea Foundation established? In 2015. And you say it's completely non-governmental, it's it's all privately funded and, and run and uh, no relationship with the Uni- Ministry of Unification? No. We're very private. Okay. Yeah. Do you meet with them sometimes, people from the Ministry of Unification? Um, Do they know of your existence? Uh, I think they would now if I'm on this podcast. Well, I hope so. I hope they're listening out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so who established it in the beginning then, back in 2015? It kind of started with a group of people in Joseon Ilbo, mm-hmm. um, which is a very conservative newspaper in South Korea. And before all the unification bonanza by the former president, Park geun there was a series of newspaper articles that really emphasized um, the importance and uh, the benefits of unification. And this kind of triggered a national... Mm-hmm. Um, a dialogue? Yeah, on the unification issues. So there were so many people wanting to donate to this cause. Mm. And it created the UniKorea Fund, which is what kind of established into um, the UniKorea Foundation. So um, it kind of started from... Um, the initiative started from Joseon Yebo, but mm-hmm. right now, um, when it was established, it was a totally private organization to start with. And how does it work? Is there a board of directors? Is there, you know, what what's the, the management of it all? Um, yes, we have board of defect, um, directors. Yes. We have the board of directors. Are the directors defectors? No, not, oh, okay. not yet, I guess. Um, but they're from very various um, fields of the society. Um, I think uh, some of them are academics. Mm-hmm. And, well, they're all posted on our website. Um, they're very interested in this issue and take importance of what we're doing at the foundation. Uh, so what's the size of the uh, of the budget? So um, there was a really big fundraising campaign back mm-hmm. in 2015. And over two years, about 1.7 million people donated around 30 billion Korean won to the UniKorea Fund. So I think right now we're about a 30 billion Korean won size 
uh, foundation. So how much gets used each year? Well, actually, um, so amongst the 1.7 million people that yep. donated to our foundation, there was one really special guy, a generous donor, um, who's named Honorary Chairman Yi Junyong of Teddy Industrial Corporation. And he donated all of his wealth, which was in stocks, to the Unicorea Fund. And it amounted to about $20 billion. I wonder how his kids feel about that. Uh, I think they would have strong feelings, but... <laughs> <laughs> One way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it kind of, uh, yeah, it was... So it's in stocks right now. Yeah. So we have the dividends come in every year. So we spend that money for the projects. Oh, okay. Okay, so how does that money get used? What do you do with it? So our foundation focuses mostly on the annual grant program which provides yearly grants to projects in mm -hmm. seven different categories, which all revolve around the issue of unification of the Korean Peninsula. The categories yes. are promoting public awareness of Korean unification, developing mm -hmm. human resources, academic research, helping North Korean defectors, building global networks on Korean unification, and also development projects for North Korea and other topics. Now, the development projects... In North Korea, I, I'm guessing that there's not a lot of activity going on right now. Is that correct? Yes, in a part. But um, for example, we are we worked with the Climate Change Center, and they're, they've built a nursery, a tree nursery for uh, for the trees to be sent to mm -hmm. North Korea because of the deforestation. So yeah. they have some nurseries prepared for them. So, like for example, those kind of preparing is going on. All right. Now, could you give us, uh, you've given us the example of uh, tree nurseries for um, for development projects. Could you give us some examples of the other categories, any that, that come to mind? Actually, just to um, kind of go from the beginning, um, we've had about 150 projects going on throughout the three years. Um, in 2016, we had 22 projects. In 2017, 46. And then last year in 2018, we had around 90. So there are a lot of diversity in our projects. And like, for example, like helping the North Korean defectors would be um, uh, working with alternative schools in South Korea. There are a bunch of them. And we funded a lot of projects for them, like, you know, camps, like coding camps, because um, they didn't really have the funding to operate these kinds of classes. Okay, so that they can hack into North Korean mainframes <laughs> or something, is it? Well, no. no, it's like a textbook kind of thing that like almost all the normal schools have in South Korea right now, mm -hmm. but not in the alternative school. So we kind right. of funded that for them. Okay. And yeah, what other projects and in the different categories? Well, the the ones that come into mind would be on like the fun ones, like the promoting public awareness. There mm -hmm. were organizations that produce games, like interactive games. For example, um, there was a organization called Norgong, which made the Sunam Jangmadang in um, North Korea into an interactive game mm -hmm. for people that are interested in a mission-based activity that was required for all participants to naturally study all of the ecosystems of the Jangmadang and take different roles and actually that, uh, for our non-Korean speakers, that's the North Korean marketplace, right? Uh, yes, the marketplace. Private markets where yes. people can buy and sell food, excess food or, or products that they've made at home or uh, or what, what they're buying from China and reselling in North Korea. And we have, of course, the excellent documentary, The Jangmadang Generation, produced mm -hmm. by Link. Do yes. you know Link? Do you, yes. uh, do you give them any funding? Yes, we do, ah. actually. Uh -huh. 
We're working with them as well. We had uh, Sokil Park on our podcast uh, last summer. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, uh, helping North, North Korean uh, defective students in, uh, in South Korean high schools. What are some difficulties that North Korean students suffer uh, in you know going to school in South Korea? Well, actually, that question kind of is actually personal to me too, because I used to tutor a North Korean middle school, uh, a North Korean defector middle school student, and that's actually the reason why I kind of um, evolved into me being in the Unicura Foundation. Mm. But um, even though they've defected like five years ago or like ten years ago, they didn't have the basic education really from the beginning. So uh, my student, for example, she would really have a hard time differentiating her A's from her E's. Mm. And, you know, like it, it took like a year. So you mean in, in learning English? Yes, I in see. learning English or like basic um, mathematics or even Korean because a lot of them speak Chinese ah. but not um, Korean as well. Is there a, a change in, uh, in sort of patterns or trends of problems that they suffer? Uh, are things improving or are they getting worse or are there uh, more language problems now than there were in the past? Do you see any changes? I'm Honestly, I'm not an expert in like education, but sure. from what I've seen, a lot of them come from different countries. They, they don't really come directly from North Korea mm. right away. They um, spend a lot of time in China or other different countries. So um, I think that language is um, one of the biggest obstacles that they would have to overcome to be integrated into the Korean society. But also, um, you know, there, there are just so many different um, problems that they face. And it's like a case by case, person by person obstacle. Now you you have uh, you provide scholarships to uh, to students? Uh, yeah, um, that's actually one of the things that we do. Um, in the Unicare Foundation, we really focus on human capacity building. And that's kind of a part of like, giving scholarships to kids in their middle and high schools are one of the things that we do. And this was actually a, a different funding source. There was a donation from this former actor named Shin Yonggyun, and he wanted us to help these North Korean defector children um, in you know, giving scholarships for them to, you know, focus on their academics and everything. So. Do you have any scholarships sending students overseas? Not at the moment, mm -hmm. but we do have some organizations that are involved in giving scholarships for, you know, North Korean defectors to actually go abroad mm -hmm. and experience. Like, for example, there was an organization called Qasim. Um, they had North Korean defectors go into Washington, D.C. and look into all of the organizations that are in D.C. and kind of build their entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And it was a kind of an educational program for them. At the moment, we have about one to 2,000 defectors each year coming from North Korea to South Korea. So the numbers are relatively small. So I guess from a practical standpoint, what I'm wondering is, what if large numbers of defectors were to come to South Korea, say 10,000 or more per year? Would would you still be able to uh, to give the same kind of support or would you have to would it have to become more of a government oriented initiative i i definitely think that there are things that the government can do and what we can do as a civil society and as a grassroots movement but i think if that were to happen we'd do the best we can to actually support people but you know that's kind of a really one of the worst scenarios of the process of unification so okay the, talking about um 
the different kind of organizations and projects that you fund, what's the breadth of the political spectrum? Do you only help people uh, or groups who are, uh, uh, for example, very gung-ho, very positive on, uh, on unification? No. We're a nonpartisan organization. So if they were to you know, get involved into a political kind of political oriented or politically initiated project, then it would be banned from the beginning. They wouldn't be able to do that. But no, we really don't um, think about politics in when we're talking about, you know, the projects that are proposed to us. Um, they, they would have to be, you know, somehow having a standpoint on unification. But I've heard some people that were kind of pessimistic about mm-hmm. the future um, uniting Korea, penins- uniting the Korean Peninsula, and everything. But still, I think there are things that we can learn from what they're saying. So there are projects that have those kinds of people that are involved in it. Right. So if I understand correctly, then it's not whether the group or the organization has a political, um, uh, a certain political belief, uh, or even a religious belief. It's uh, rather the project itself. So yes. you. Uh, you vet the projects on their own merits rather than the groups that run them. Uh, Now, how do we, or how do you react to uh, falling public support for unification? You mentioned that one of your uh, seven categories is raising public awareness. And in my interview last Friday with Jim Rogers, I quoted a statistic, I wish I had it to hand now, that uh, uh, public support in South Korea for unification is falling each year, especially among young people in their 20s. And we now have you know, under half of uh, young South Koreans in their 20s who believe that North, uh, that unification with North Korea is a necessary thing. So how does your organization respond to that? For us, as I've told you in the beginning, our mission is to prepare for unification. So I think it kind of differs from um, actually, you know, be the entity to actually succeed in unification because um, I think it's kind of different for us. I think in the case of unification or in the process of unification, there's so many things that we need to do. And one of them would be, for example, educating the young people on, um, you know, what kind of future Mm -hmm. they would be in when unification comes in in the future. It could be near, it could be, you know, very far away, but it wouldn't really matter for us. It would be that we would prepare in um, different aspects and... We, we wouldn't really, like, really, like, strangle them to be like, oh, you know, unification is, like, the best way and this kind of unification we need to achieve and everything. But we would have to prepare our future generation or future leaders to actually understand the issues that are going on and, you know, under, really understand what kind of future they might be in. Uh, I get the feeling now that although... Uh, in, in both North and South Korea, although unification is still something that everybody holds up as an ideal, something that is wanted, something that is desired, you know, as the song goes, our, our desire is to unify. But, you know, if you ask North and South Korean people, uh, well, especially South Korean, if you ask South Korean people, would you like to have unification tomorrow? A lot of people would say, ah, not so sure about that. Maybe mm. in 20 years, maybe in 50 years, maybe after I die, mm. maybe when, you know, uh, in the next generation. Right. You know, people look at North Korea as being, all North Koreans as being the same, you know, but there obviously there is a group of people in North Korea for whom it is an advantage to keep 
the system going as it is now. And for those people, if you know the, the donju, we're talking about the people with money, the people who are who are doing okay under Kim Jong Il, and Kim Jong Un. If you were to ask those people, would you like to unify with South Korea tomorrow and compete with South Koreans uh, for for a, a united Korean future? I think a lot of them would say, oh, I'm not sure. I'd feel too comfortable about that you know i'm okay now because i'm a, a big fish in a small pond mm -hmm. but if korea unifies i become a small fish in a big pond and that's a lot scarier actually my understanding of preparing for unification and what we're doing is more like narrowing the gaps between you know everyone in the korean peninsula so um raising awareness domestically and abroad on issues that need to be thought of and need to be discussed in order to create a foundation and a momentum for people in various fields to think about this. Because, for example, you um, you talked about like the Tonju. I really have no idea of what they're really thinking and what they're really dreaming, if they can dream about, um, within that nation. And, you know, the lack of information, the lack of everything that we have on them, it's like a really big barrier. Mm -hmm. But we try... We want to try, I think, or maybe it's like my personal view, but we want to try to actually, um, you know, tighten the gap of this. So in the near future or in the really long future, if unification were to occur, yeah. then there won't be there won't be a big, you know, as you said, like tens of thousands of refugees, like, you know, running into South Korea. It would be mo more like an inclusive um, big Korean peninsula where, you know, we can actually cope with the difficulties. Okay, let's go into uh, who can apply for a grant. Well, actually, uh, the grant is open right now <laughs> up okay. to um, the 25th of March. If you are a registered organization, um, it doesn't matter if it's Korean or foreign. Um, we include NGOs, um, IOs, corporations, universities, um, no longer individuals. We had individuals until last year, but uh -huh. no longer individuals. But okay, so I can't apply for a grant by myself. Yes. I see. Um, if you have a firm or a corporation mm -hmm. that is registered, then yes, but not as an individual. All right. And what's the process for applying? You would go into our website. Um, it's www.tongilnanum.com. So you would have to actually so write wait, that in English. T-O-N-G-I-L. Uh -huh. N-A-N-U-M dot com dot com or you can go into our Facebook page which has a link of a um, our poster of the Unicrea Fund grant program to and that so link so go into Facebook and look for Tongil Nanum as well T-O-N-G-I-L no no no, no, no. you can just you know, look for the poster or just go into the website right away and there is a big um, poster that greets you on the first page mm -hmm. so it's not going to be hard to find it and you download the zip file which uh -huh. has the manual and the project proposal forms and all the forms that you would need to read and to understand and to write a proposal the, that manual and those forms what language are they in they're in english oh they're in english yes. okay so you can people can actually download them and and, and you know apply for uh a grant. What's the is there a maximum grant size for a project? So the size of the grant is minimum 50, mil, 50 million Korean won to three hundred million Korean won. All right. Well, I'd like three hundred million, please. Uh, me too. <laughs> All right. And and so then, does it, it is it a very bureaucratic process? I mean, is there a lot? You know, do I have to provide a lot of uh, background information about myself and you know my mother's birth certificate <laughs> and uh, uh -huh. father's bank account? I mean, what you know, is it a very onerous process? Procedure? Some would think so. Um, we have a lot of um, information that we do 
need to have. Mm -hmm. But if you have ever, you know, had a grant awarded to you, then it wouldn't really be that much of a difference. So we don't really require a lot of information in our perspective, but I wouldn't know until you actually write it. Okay. Uh, And what sort of, you know, what kind of projects are you looking for? Like what are the, you know, what are the criteria for who gets a grant? Well, this year is kind of different from last year. For those of you that, you know, checked out the uh, UniKorea Fund grant program in 2018, um, there are detailed topics that we listed in the appendix. Mm -hmm. And um, you can pick from those topics. And we've actually had examples for those topics. But if you don't really like all the topics that we've listed, you can go into category number seven, which you can have anything. So that's a kind of a miscellaneous yes. uh, category, basically uh-huh. everything else in right. category seven. Okay. But um, uh, especially with, you know, we really want some creative and out of the box thinking mm-hmm. projects on um, unification. And also we really focus on the next generation because we really think that they're very important and also on raising global awareness. And we, we like something new that not a lot of people have done before. So okay. like maybe like cutting edge technologies involved with the issue of unification. I don't really know how that would really work. But if you have, if you are in a field that are using those kind of technologies, then it's you're welcome. My suggestion is make an app. An app. <laughs> Everyone's doing apps these days. So uh, I mean, that is an option, and that that has been done before. But yes, that that can be an option. What kind of app has, have you funded before? Um, there was an app um, for an organization called Urion. Oh, that which is run by defectors, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. So, and what was the nature of that app? Well, they have a website that kind of combines. Um, it's like a platform for a lot of North Korean defectors. So mm-hmm. and they didn't have an app before, so we kind of funded their app. So is it kind of an information exchange between and among defectors? Um, yes, they have a lot of information, a lot of news, even mm-hmm. for like you know job searching, housing, and even mentoring, and so many other kind of different services. Okay, so great. Uh, now again, on the so people can go to the website uh, tongilnanam.com and on the Facebook, which is also tongilnanam on Facebook um, or, Korea or Uni Korea Foundation. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, and download the form and the ma- forms plural uh-huh. and the manual. It does sound like a lot of work, but uh, you know, thirty-two, sorry, fifty to three hundred million uh, won for a project that is, uh, you know, it's a good good chunk of money. Uh, must all that money be used up in one year, or can it be like a, you know, if I've got a project um, that's going to take me two years or three years, mm-hmm. uh, and I apply for that money, can I, you know, disburse that money over three years, or does it all have to be spent in one year? Uh, it all has to be spent in one year. So it's like an annual project, but you can be selected for the next year if your project had really good outcomes in the mm-hmm. first year. So it can be consecutive. What's the, uh, you know, you've probably looked at you know, a number of project applications over the last number of years. What's the, uh, you know, the idea that really sticks in your mind as, wow, this one's really going to go great? What's the you know, sort of the outstanding idea from 2018? Well, you know, there were 90 projects. Mm. It was dispersed amongst five managers and I have 20 organizations that I'm in charge of. I just really can't pick uh, like which one had like the best idea. But the one that was really interesting for me is a lot of the academic researches, they focused on people's uh, perception on unification. And it's not just for the Koreans. Um, one, um, there was the uh, Yonsei Institute of mm-hmm. Sinology, they actually went to different provinces in China to really get a feel of what um, academics 
think on the unification of the Korean Peninsula. And there was another professor named Wang Meng, um, and she actually looked into the next generation, the younger Chinese mm. perception on unification. And I think it was um, Stephen Denny from... Sino-NK? Uh, yeah, and, um, and Toronto University. They kind uh, of collaborated. Yep. And they um, looked into the defectors' perception. Defectors of, in South Korea? or, or? In, in South Korea okay. on unification. So this was not really done before, mm. especially well, in China. So it was really kind of interesting to understand um, what the Chinese think... Well, what can you tell us about what uh, young China, you know, the next generation of Chinese leaders, what are they thinking about unification? Um, they're not that thrilled in a sense, mm. but it, it's not because they, they don't really like, you know, like it's not politically motivated for them. It's more like they had a lot of um, friends. Korean friends that mm -hmm. were kind of afraid that they would lose a lot of their jobs and South you know, Korean friends or North Korean friends? South Korean friends. Okay. Um, and they were kind of influenced yep. by their view. It, it was kind of interesting to actually just, you know, have a survey on them mm -hmm. at the beginning. And well, the results we would have to find out after like the final report. But still, I think um, that initiative itself is interesting. Now, if somebody's out there and they said, well, you know, I want to do something, but I'm not really sure what, can they go on your website and see um, past projects and, you know, um, find out what projects were funded in 2017 and 2018 and, uh -huh. and what the results were? Is that up there on your website? Um, not all the results because there are a lot of results. And actually, our um, website is very, fairly new. It's been renovated very, like, last week oh. but they, there are all the organizations that were participating in the grant programs so you could uh, and there's a little summary of what they did okay so there's a summary then do you have any last things you'd like to share with us about uh, the UniKorea Foundation for us you know when I meet people mm -hmm. and they ask about the UniKorea Foundation um, I would say we're a very young and very passionate organization that really focuses on preparing for unification. So um, whether it may be you know, research projects, educational projects, international seminars, conferences, or even developmental projects, um, if it's related to the preparation of unification, we're very much interested. And we really um, would like you know, the, your listeners mm -hmm. to be interested and um, contact us if you're interested in, you know, if you're interested in our program. Do you think that uh, unification will happen in your lifetime? I very much hope so. Yeah, that's all I can say, actually. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you again, Holly Gung, for coming on the NK News podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Don't forget, listeners, you can check out all of our episodes as well as read full bios and show notes on our website at nknews.org. NK News is the leading repository of North Korean research, news, and analysis, and we hope that you'll get a subscription at NK News or NK Pro. And you can send feedback, comments, questions, or guest suggestions to podcast at nknews.org. Our podcast is produced, as always, by Arias Dare and facilitated by Chad O'Carroll and Christina Lee. Lastly, a reminder that one random reviewer per week will win a free NK News membership, so please review us after listening and you might win and if you're going to buy a subscription you can save $50 off your NK News sub by using the code podcast at the checkout thanks and check us again next time